Mi gente! What is up? This is Eric Lugo, and after way too long, I'm back with another episode of Latino in Chicago. Now, in the spirit of transparency, this is an old conversation, but I promise so much of what we're talking about on this episode today still rings true. I just couldn't let this one waste away any longer. So before we jump into what I thought was a fantastic discussion with Edgar Ramirez, president and CEO of Chicago Commons, I want to take just a little bit of time to share some context. In the last year, I transitioned into a new amazing opportunity at City Colleges of Chicago. If you check me out on LinkedIn, you'll learn a bit more about what I've been up to there and why I'm so inspired about the work we're doing. To be honest though, I jumped all the way in. I really had to. The opportunity was huge and the body of work uh, was and still is urgent. Genuinely, in order to stay sane, I had to put a lot of creative work that I hoped to accomplish on hold and Latino in Chicago was one of those efforts. Don't get me wrong, we still have a whole lot on the horizon at City Colleges, so doing this kind of work consistently will not be easy. But I do miss getting together with folks and helping put these incredible stories out into the world. So I'm starting with a few that I've been sitting on with hopes that I can come up with a plan to do this kind of creative work more often. All right, that being said, let's get into this conversation. Today's episode features Edgar Ramirez, president and CEO of Chicago Commons, an organization that has invested and helped shape the lives of Chicagoans since 1894. Like a few other organizations, Chicago Commons has evolved from its settlement house origins to partner with individuals, families, and communities to overcome poverty, discrimination, and isolation. Their programs are designed to help children, families, and seniors go further to live richer, more fulfilling lives. And they put emphasis on the go. Edgar joined Commons in 2010 as the, the Associate Executive Director and now he's the president and CEO. In this episode, we learn about Chicago Commons's Eastern European immigrant origins to now servicing elderly and early learners on the South and West sides, Edgar's journey to Commons and how mentorship really shaped his path, how listening to community has influenced Commons' approach to programming. Edgar shares some insight on how Commons bridges services in African-American and Latino communities and Edgar reflects on his leadership, what's changed since becoming CEO. As always, I hope you enjoy. Here's Edgar. Edgar, thanks for joining Latino in Chicago. It's good to see you, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Big for sure. fan of the podcast. Great, great. Glad to hear it. So why don't we start by talking about Chicago Commons and tell us about the organization. Yeah, so we've been around for 124 years, uh, founded as a settlement house by a person by the name of Graham Taylor. And Graham Taylor, it's interesting, he founded Chicago Commons at the same time as founded um, the School Social Service Administration at the University of Chicago. Oh, wow. And so um, it was set up as a settlement house. People actually lived in the house and um, ran services for the surrounding communities. At that time, those the communities were um, populated by mostly Eastern European immigrants. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so was, uh, Commons was set up to uh, listen to community and develop interventions that 
helped uh, immigrant populations at the time. Yeah. And how have you changed since then? What type of services do you offer? What yeah. does the population look like today? Interventions have changed over the past 124 years. Yeah. Also, the neighborhoods we served have changed. Uh, right now, uh, Commons um, has two main lines of business. So uh, senior services, so in senior services, um, we serve the elderly through adult day service. So we bus in um, seniors to uh, receive a full day of activities um, and support um, their um, various areas of the cognitive spectrum. So some have early dementia, some have, um, um, you know, uh, have more advanced dementia. Um, but we serve all, all these populations. Um, we keep them for a full day, and their, their, their children or their adult children can pick them up at the end of the day, or we bus them back to their homes. Okay. Um, then we also have a large home care program where we have home care aides um, deliver um, home care services to seniors in their homes. So um, we have 500 workers uh, on a daily basis go out to serve. 1,500 seniors, and um, what we do with them is make sure that they're taking their medication, um, make sure that they have company in their homes, um, that they have someone to talk to, that we break the isolation many times these seniors um, have and exist. Um, and that's not geographically bound. That's um, all over the south side, the west side, and all over um, some, some of our collar counties as well. Um, Early childhood is our other main line of business, or so an early childhood that is geographically bound. We are in, uh, we have two centers in West Humboldt Park, one in Pilsen, and one in Back of the Yards. And in early childhood, we do um, early Head Start services, which is zero to three years old, and Head Start services, which is three to five years old. Great. How did you make your way to Commons? Yeah, so, interesting story. I, I graduated from U of C, um, in 2009 with my master's, I took a break, I took like a month off, two months off, um, and uh, I quit my job at the time, um, really thinking about what I wanted to do next, and I met with a mentor um, who was running an agency, and um, he asked me like, what do, what do you want to do with your life, right? And uh, I said, well, I want to do what you're doing, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> you know, because he was running a um, impactful organization um, doing critical services to um, the Latino working class, right? And um, the organization was really well run mm -hmm. and it was set up to act upon opportunities when they came about, yeah. right? It was also developing a really critical mass of, of leadership internally at the staff level. Mm -hmm. um, and then he was a leader that really um, played a critical role in other sort of policy discussions outside of what the organization was doing too. Mm -hmm. So that really, like, wow, this is what I want to do. Who was it, that person? That was Rick Estrada. Okay, yeah, Rick Estrada was, you know, he's, um, you know, he embodies a leader that has, you know, done it right, yeah. right? And so, um, so I, I want to do what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> so, no kidding, yeah. Yeah, so the next day, um, it was actually literally the next day, um, a job description comes across my desk and says, hey, Chicago Commons is looking for an associate executive director. Okay. And um, I applied, I, I talked to the then executive director, Dan Valliere, and it wasn't really an interview, it was mm -hmm. just a, a sharing of a community vision and mm -hmm. how we think that 
Settlement House still played a critical role in the shaping of Chicago and, and communities in Chicago. And um, I got really excited, you know, Dan, I think he got excited by the idea that we had collaborate um, at Commons on various things, and that's how I found my way at Commons. That's awesome. Yeah. Rick was on the podcast, we talked a little bit about his commitment to supporting yeah. leaders behind him. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he yeah, had he does a great job of that. Just really interesting thoughts on how important it is to identify or recognize your blessings right. and make sure that you pass those blessings on. Absolutely. That advice and context on to other folks. Absolutely. And you know, I, um, so I, when I was at SSA, I did my internship at Erie House. Okay. And uh, I was working with Rick mm -hmm. and also his mentor, Rafael Ravelo, okay. who was another of my mentors who yeah. um, really also guided my path too. And so... I've been blessed with mentorship folks who have taken the time to make sure that um, I'm on the right path and listen to my stories, listen to my frustrations, yeah. listen to my aspirations, yeah. and help me along my path. So I try to do the same for others for as sure. well. That's great, man. Yeah. Great. What would you say makes uh, Commons a successful organization? I think it's our history. I think you know our history, our, our dedication to listening to community needs. Um, our our bandwidth too. I think you know we are a mid-sized organizations that that can invest in new opportunities. Mm -hmm. uh, an example is our family hub. Um, you know when we surveyed our parents um, in our early childhood centers, we were were told consistently that they wanted more. Right? They wanted job training. They wanted nutrition services. They wanted mental health services. Um, at the same time, we were reading these studies by the Aspen Institute talking about the future of early education, mm -hmm. saying, uh, you know, early ed is moving to a space where you not only have to serve the child, but the family itself. Mm -hmm. And so we really got jazzed up by the idea that how cool would it be if we, we serve about roughly 200 families at each of our centers, um, if we could provide wraparound services to 200 families in a local center. And if all those folks are living in that community, mm -hmm. we're making an impact, right? Mm -hmm. Not only in a child's education life, but um, making those 200 families economically stable, socially, emotionally, giving them social emotional help when they need it. Um, you know, providing um, domestic violence supports, providing workforce supports. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it really excited us, and but this really came from our parents when we surveyed them thinking like what else can we do for you sure. like they, we wanted these services they said to us and and we listened so I think that's what makes Chicago Commons an impactful organization that we could um, develop opportunities from what we're hearing from our community listen and adapt we were just talking about yeah this, right? yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely well, it's, it's good to hear that um, so you spoke to uh, early childhood as well as senior services. And actually, I'm kind of in process of experiencing this issue with my grandmother, right? Yeah. Where she can go right. as she kind of works through early early dementia. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, what's kind of the scale of, of, of these kind of two um, uh, beginning and kind of end of life challenges yeah. that right. people are facing in Chicago? Yeah, that, or the or the gap that exists maybe yeah. in in that service space. Right. Um, so as far as senior, I mean, 
it's the growing of the population, mm -hmm. right? And if we're talking about um, Latino communities, um, it's interesting. And we're, we're having a study done on how better we can serve Latino seniors. Mm -hmm. um, because in many cases, a lot of Latino seniors are living at home with a mm -hmm. family. Um, they have supports. Maybe they're not receiving Social Security. Mm. Um, or they don't have sort of income supports to help support them. Um, and we saw that with the, you know, the Paletero story mm -hmm. a couple of months back. You know, I think that's more common than, um, than what we're seeing right? yeah. or what we're hearing. So um, it's going to be interesting how, and we're still waiting for this, the results of this um, survey or, or study to happen, but um, what I'm anticipating is it's not going to be the, the same sort of supports that we usually offer for the general community, right? Mm -hmm. Adult day service and home care. I, I think that's going to be a part of it. But also, um, how do we develop wraparound service supports for those seniors too, right? So, um, how can we help with economically stabilize, stabilizing their homes, right, as seniors? Yeah. Some of these seniors are taking care of kids too, yeah. right? But, um, but you know, a lot of these seniors are hustling, right? You saw with the Palatero too, mm -hmm. like he's got a job, he's working nine to five, sometimes longer hours. Um, so how do we help those folks? Too, right and how do we expand our service model to help support um, especially these senior immigrants who are here who are not going anywhere um, and are providing a critical sort of social um, in presence and in the neighborhoods that they exist in mm -hmm. how can we support those folks um, that's what I'm thinking now I think that's a gap that we're trying to address at this moment as far as early childhood um, again I think you know looking at I know we are what we're doing is we're doing right we're fighting high quality early ed Mm -hmm. for uh, many black and brown children. Mm -hmm. And I think we just have to scale that more. I, I'm looking to, um, to grow the organization, right? And I think there's room to grow, especially because you know, we can make the case that um, the services we provide critically impact a child's life and the sort of education life. So um, I think folks are willing to invest in that idea and we just, it's just incumbent on us to, to look for and see those that uh, other support financially um, to, to grow our services. For sure. Uh, and I mean, so it's interesting, right? Because there's always this interplay between what the nonprofit sector should be doing and what yeah. the public sector should be doing. Right. Right. And I think we uh, exist in an environment where the public sector relies heavily on the nonprofit sector. That's right. Um, in other cities across the country, a lot of times the public sector is just doing, doing some of this. Mm -hmm. right? We're a little different. Um, how do you kind of navigate what the public sector can be doing better versus where you need to grow as an organization? Yeah, it's it's hard right now. I mean, the public sector, if you're talking about government, mm -hmm. right, it's um, just a lot of chaos happening downstate. Mm -hmm. And that sense ripples through the other sort of public sector streams. Mm -hmm. We're still waiting to see what the new president-elect and his administration um, are thinking of in terms of their investments and interventions yeah. to early ed and whatnot. Uh, but it's difficult right now because there's a lot of uh, ambiguity in the space. And we're living in a time when, um, especially looking at the state, is um, you know, we're at record lock right mm -hmm. now. So not a lot's getting done, right? Not a lot of money is flowing into critical interventions like what we do in our senior services space and early childhood space. Yeah. 
So until that gets resolved, then uh, when I say that, until gridlock gets resolved, when people are looking at compromise as a good thing, right? And compromise and debate is a good thing, and the sharing of ideas is a good thing, and developing, uh, using those ideas for social good, then I think we're trapped in this ambiguous space at this moment. Mm -hmm. What do you think um, Chicago's good at in these spaces right now? Yeah, I think, um, you know, uh, Chicago has, uh, is a space, you know, a lot of people have a critique of Chicago, and people look at, always uh, look at the negative of what's going on in Chicago, but there's a lot of good happening here, too. Mm -hmm. um, I, could, I, I think that there is a strong emphasis on early ed, um, there's a strong um, uh, view that diversity is important, um, that diversity helps both socially and economically the fabric of the city. I mm -hmm. think, um, you know, the, the idea that, um, that they're willing to debate on, um, you know, investments in education and, and these sort of other critical social services, maybe that those are at gridlock too, but at least there's debate happening, right? Um, I think that's, you know, a, a good space to be in. Right, and um, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful about the future of the city. Um, I, I believe that there's a lot of critical leadership happening behind the scenes, maybe not in government, but in other spaces mm -hmm. that um, can emerge and help influence the city in, in yeah. a good way. And I'm curious to your perspective on the way Commons navigates serving distinct populations, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, um, you're probably one of a handful that can you know honestly say you serve a critical mass of African Americans yep. and a critical mass of Latinos, right. right? And you know over the course of the last several weeks, you know I've been in different conversations around Black Latino Coalition, yeah. what that means, right? Um, and I'm curious, like what's what's an organizational perspective, or at least your perspective right. on a navigating coalition within the context of just services that you're providing right. dual to dual-serving communities, right. right? Right. You know, the, the beauty of Commons is that we're a multicultural organization, that mm -hmm. we serve both African-American mm -hmm. and Latino communities, and that's, that's exciting to not only myself, but many of our, our leadership, our, the, our frontline workers and whatnot. So we're really blessed to have that sort of context to be working in it on a daily mm -hmm. basis. Um, there's a lot of opportunities. I think the the future, um, you know, of, of these two communities are intertwined. Mm -hmm. So we have to work together. We have to talk. We have to compromise. We have to debate. Um, we have to support one another. Mm -hmm. Right. We have to support one another in in terms of our social and economic needs. And at the sort of micro level at Commons, I think we're trying to do that. Mm -hmm. Right. So. What we the services we offer in um, one of our early childhood centers in Westmoreland Park are are the same, but sort of the family wraparound supports are different from what we offer in Pilsen and back of the yards. Yeah. Right? But what we do is those workers, those families, when they get together, learn from one another and learn from the interventions that we're providing. Mm -hmm. um, and I think they're influencing each of other's local contexts, mm -hmm. right? And so. Seeing that in action is really beautiful. I think that's, um, on a micro level, we're doing that right. Mm -hmm. um, another example is that we took the seniors here in our adult day service, who are mostly African-American, to our Paulo Freire Center um, okay. to do intergenerational activities. And 
that was um, an excellent demonstration of um, older folks have a lot of wisdom to share and impart um, working with Latino children um, who are willing to learn, mm -hmm. right? And um, so on the micro level, we're doing some critical things that hopefully reflect the future of what Chicago has to offer. That's amazing, man. Yeah. Wisdom and love. I yeah. Feel like, I feel like elderly are, are oh, generally yeah. full of both of those things. Absolutely. And they, <laughs> they want to impart it. Yeah. And uh, it's, uh, it's a beautiful thing when you see it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's transition to leadership a little bit. Yeah. So you're the CEO of a roughly $30 million organization. Um, are there things you wish you knew about leadership style or executive management um, prior to coming into the job? Um, yeah, it's a good question. I think, you know, when, when I was in my early, uh, early 20s and looking to organize, looking to make a difference, very idealistic mm -hmm. um, and I honor those days I think that's that was a critical part of my story mm -hmm. um, because it, you know you, you drive certain um, passions at that moment and you know, ideals and what you want to focus on it in terms of your mission in life and try to follow it but what I didn't pay a lot of attention to was sort of the more tactical things that need to be done to run an organization mm -hmm. like this in a, in a, in a, in a good way mm -hmm. right um, and when I say tactical things, it's um, all those hard skill sets, right? Budget management, learning how to read an income statement, mm -hmm. um, learning how to do uh, critical quality assurance with programs, looking at data yeah. to help inform your decisions. Um, these are critical things that, uh, that shape a well-run organization. Mm -hmm. And I wish I would have learned that earlier on in my career and focused on that, so for those young leaders who are listening to this podcast, yeah. uh, try to combine your passion with um, a roadmap of, of practical skill sets that you're going to need to help uh, manage a, a complex ship, right? For but sure. also to take your passions to the next level, right? Yeah. Your passions and ideals to the next level. Yeah, that's really interesting. Uh, are you say that the, would you say that there are things you're doing differently now? Yeah. Um, and as as a leader and as somebody who has grown into leadership, yeah, yes, I'm not so quick to judge, mm -hmm. right? When I was a, in my twenties, full of ideals and whatnot, I thought I had all the answers, <laughs> and I was willing to to counter a point yeah. at a moment's notice. Um, there's context to everything, yeah, and the world is not so black and white. It's yeah. it's very gray. Right, so there's a lot of context to each decision, whether it be political, whether it be um, sort of like private investment or whatnot, mm -hmm. that um, that go along. Um, and so it it's just really looking at context when you're trying to examine a problem or an issue. Yeah, uh, I like to ask uh, if there are uh, books or is there any literature that's kind of top of mind for you that's shaping your work to date or has shaped your work significantly? Yeah, so in, in, the, in my 20s, you know, I, I loved, um, you know, uh, you know, just like a conjuring up ideals and uh -huh. passions and whatnot, looking at Guadalupe Gallano, um, you know, really like the poetry and fiction and whatnot. Gallano, mm -hmm. uh, Pablo Neruda, um, Rubén Dario, you know, these, 
you know, these, these sort of folks, these literature folks who yeah. really shaped me and yeah. which I wanted to focus on. Um, Los grandes idealistas, yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Marquez, you yeah. know, these folks. Yeah. Um, but then more recently, um, looking at more tactical things again, look at right now I'm reading a book called Scarcity uh, by Sendel Moldenthon, mm -hmm. who is just looking at the idea that um, scarcity develops a psychology of, of um, you know, a poor person who's got scarce means mm -hmm. is going to focus on spending that money, mm -hmm. right? Because um, they've grown up or they're in a current circumstance where they don't have much money, so when they get it, they, they spend it. Yeah. Right? It also talks about, you know, CEOs who have um, not a lot of time, spend, the, spend their time in, in maybe bad ways, right? They procrastinate or, or whatnot. Right. And so there's context to that, right? Yeah. To scarcity. Um, which is really important to the work that we do because you know, when you hear folks talking about uh, the poor, um, there's there's judgment there on mm -hmm. often cases. Thinking, oh, why don't they, you know, pull themselves up by their bootstraps and invest their money wisely and whatnot? Mm -hmm. But there's context to that too. Yeah. So, any additional tips that you would have for young folks or or yeah. leaders coming up? Yeah, mentorship is important. Talk to someone who's done it. Talk about you know your 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 self-interest, talk about your uh, what you want to do, and have others inform your future decisions, right? As much information and context you can gather, the better. And then um, that's one thing. And also look at um, who's doing it right, mm -hmm. right? And try, to, and try to really model yourself at, in terms of the good things that um, you really want to, in your life, try to model it, model the way, in a mm -hmm. sense, right? Uh, so you talked about wanting to grow the organization, wanting yeah. to grow the work. What would you say your vision is for Commons over the next couple of years? Yeah, I think it's um, maintain what we're doing really well, early education and senior services. Um, finding a sort of diverse set of funding that can help support the organization beyond government funding, I think is really key for, my, um, for the future of Commons. And also um, growing in scale. I think mm -hmm. we have uh, a good product, um, an impactful product that impacts communities in a positive way that we can grow. And so, looking at other neighborhoods um, to um, you know to, to help shape and influence those local contexts as well. Mm -hmm. You you mentioned diversified funding, uh, but how can folks help? Yeah, I think um, we're always looking for volunteers. We're always looking for folks to help invest in the organization. But what I always say to folks in terms of individual donors is um, take the time to, to come visit us. Um, take the time to come see what we do um, before you write a check or, or a donation. Because um, if you see what we do on, at the ground level, you're going to be sold. Mm -hmm. And um, better than any website, better than any sort of talk, that I give or any of our other staff give. Mm -hmm. If you see what we do, um, you'll see sort of the power and the impact that we have on communities. So um, take the time to come come check us out. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, any final thoughts? Yeah, thank you. This is a great podcast. A big fan of the folks who have been on the podcast. So um, kudos to you, Eric. Good job. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, brother. Peace. That was Edgar Ramirez, president and CEO of Chicago Commons. 
I know it's been a while, so I certainly appreciate you tuning in. If you have a moment, please leave a review of the podcast on iTunes or your platform of choice. Also, it never hurts to jump back to a few of the previous episodes. These leaders have a lot to share. Like I said, I hope to be back with more conversations soon, but I'd also love to hear from you. What questions should I be asking? Who should I be connecting with? What else would you like me to give a shot? I do have a few more pre-recordings in queue, so stay tuned. And until then, peace.